0: Before we get into things, can I just tell you how much your leaders love you? Uh, Whenever I get together with them, they brag about you. And and so from what they've told me, what I've experienced, I think they have every right to. And so this morning, uh, I want to affirm some things here that I think are already a part of your DNA. Uh, I, I want to talk about hospitality. And so it's my hope that for many of us here this morning, this is going to be affirming and encouraging to keep going. But at the same time, I hope that we all walk away with just uh, a clear picture of what biblical God-honoring hospitality looks like and how just absolutely engulfed in this concept Jesus' life is and ours should be. And so let's just start this way. Here's the question. When you consider Jesus as the model and standard for hospitality, how do you compare? How, do, how, do we, how are we as a people who should be known for hospitality doing? Would others define us this way, redemption this way? And so that's really the question for this morning, but before we answer it, let's look together at Luke chapter 14. I think it does a great do- uh, job modeling um, Jesus has done and continues to do. And so beginning in verse 1, let's see some of what Jesus has to teach us about hospitality. And so Luke chapter 14 begins this way. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. So uh, here's the first thing about hospitality I want us to see. It's that hospitality happens in homes and it leads to a table hospitality happens in homes and leads to a table and although it doesn't always have to start there it should always lead that direction And so for some context to this story in jesus's day most homes many homes had a place a a public space designed for hospitality often like a courtyard and it was open for people to see and and so here in our text jesus is in one of those spaces at another person's home at one of these leaders of the pharisees and while dining at the table jesus notices this man with the dropsy not a guest at the dinner but an onlooker someone outside and jesus invites him in and so even though it's not his home jesus invites the stranger in and and home is this essential component to hospitality. It's the idea of bringing an outsider in, allowing someone inside your home, is this physical manifestation of allowing someone into your life. And so along with the home often comes the table and an invitation to recline or to eat. And I didn't just make that up. It's the picture that Jesus uses in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Where he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. So Jesus teaches that hospitality takes place when someone is willing to open their home or their table to others. And so, on that note, I just want to add this that we as Christians are called to take this invitation seriously especially when it's uh, extended to us, especially when somebody who's outside um, of our context invites us into theirs. And so this should always be a precious honor when someone opens up their lives to us by letting us into their homes. It's vulnerable. It's scary. And so we should treat that invitation with sensitivity, never taking it for granted, And that's actually exactly what Jesus teaches next in verses 7 through 10. And he tells this parable, teaching us the posture of humility that we should have when receiving hospitality. And and then in verses 12 through 24, he tells another story, giving us the heart of a host who truly understands what it means to be hospitable. And both happen around a table. And so I'm going to read uh, again verse 12 through 14. And he said also to the man who had invited him in, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you, and in return you be repaid. And when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just." So hospitality, it happens in homes, and it often involves an invitation to come and to eat. It happens at a table, and this is a theme that saturates Scripture as God begins his book, making a home for his people and invites them to dwell with him there, and he gives them every tree and every plant for food. And even after mankind rejects God's offer with perseverance and determination, he continues to make room. And make a way for people to find with him a dwelling place. And so this is God's mission when it comes to us. Um, I call it the capital P promise of God. It's found most clearly, I think, in Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 through 8. And it's this picture, it's this promise that God would make out of a multitude of nations, one family. Where he would be our God and we would be his people in this land of promise with him forever that god would make the place where we were once strangers a place to call home and so god's most precious promise to us is that he would show us hospitality it's who he is and so this is only the beginning as we continue through his word in the old testament and into the new we find command after command to show hospitality it's in the laws, it's in the qualifications for our leaders, it's how we treat one another, it's how we care for those both inside and outside of our family, it's in all our interactions. And in each of these examples and commands, it happens in homes and it leads to a table. And so, while true hospitality is, uh I feel like it's quickly becoming foreign in our culture. I think we need to know that it's inseparable from God's definition of hospitality and what it means to be his people. So be it the garden or his tabernacle or the temple or the kingdom, God has always designed spaces to show hospitality. And so another question for us this morning is in our homes, what is the space designed to show hospitality? Do you have one? For my wife, Laura and I, um, our kitchen island has quickly become um, the space. So if you come to our house, um, we're most likely gonna gather around it. Anything that's in our cupboards or in the fridge is gonna be there for you um, because hospitality happens in homes and I think it leads to the table. And, And so you're all invited anytime you want, doors open. Uh, but that's where we're going to be. And, and as we continue through Luke chapter 4, the second thing that I found so remarkable, uh, that I think this is true about hospitality, is that Luke 14 highlights that hospitality always happens with strangers, but it leads to family. And so both in Jesus' interactions in verses 1 through 6, and in the parable, in the story in, in uh, verses 12 through 24, hospitality happens when you invite a stranger in. And so this is, I think, what separates like true Christian hospitality from um, the counterfeit kind of hospitality that we see or hear about in the world. See, biblical God-honoring hospitality always involves an invitation to strangers, specifically those who can't pay you back. But when the world speaks about hospitality, it often starts with our family or our friends or in Business, its focus is customers and its goal is financial. But only in the kingdom of God is hospitality's primary focus, this selfless service to strangers. And so in our morning's passage, Jesus, as always, um, heals someone without expectation of anything in return. And in his parable, he teaches us to serve the underserved or the unwanted, those who are most often ignored or unseen. And so biblical godly acceptable hospitality doesn't start with family but instead it leads to it and more the word used for hospitality in both hebrew and greek means the love or the welcome of stranger it's really interesting um hospitality is like a uh, soapbox for me um and so as i've studied the scriptures it's really interesting to find um that this concept of hospitality, this welcome or love of stranger, um, in like the Jewish community, is really strong, and they have a word for it that I won't say because I'll butcher it. Um, but in the Old Testament, there's no like one word for hospitality. It's just always defined. Um, it's always uh, a command, like in the law of how you express this thing. But it's always focused on specifically like the stranger or the sojourner. It's always this like. Um, how do we let somebody into our space uh how do we love them well and so you can see with um like abraham uh in genesis when uh god and um, these two other figures um come with him and he um butchers uh, a, a calf for them and, and creates this feast and that's like a picture that will also often be used um, as this image and in the law and Leviticus and Numbers there's um, just a, a whole there's chapters of, of how you are supposed to um, what you're supposed to leave um, for harvest um, for the poor or the stranger to come and, and take and how it's considered theft if you take that away from them uh, and and all these laws are just there and then as you continue to scripture it just soaks the word this idea of how we love and care for and welcome the stranger and so for my wife Laura and I we've lived in our house uh, for about seven years now and in that time we've met many of our stranger, um our neighbors and so pro tip snow days have been really awesome opportunities um, to meet your neighbors um, but one of our neighbors across the street are particularly special to us. Um, so Frank and his wife Gladys and his son Stephen for a while were just people that we knew only by um, friendly smiles and waves hello from across the street. Um, but their son Stephen, um, despite his special needs, was actually the first one to really break the ice and come across the street to say hello neighbor and introduce himself. And, And over the years, uh, Stephen became a friend to us. And uh, whenever I was doing projects at my house, he'd come over and want a tour and to see what's happening. And um, he'd always just uh, work in the yard. He'd come over and and try to see what we're doing. And and so we'd invite him in and we'd have conversation. And uh, and so over time, uh, Frank and Gladys and Stephen uh, became friends. But over COVID, um, Stephen got sick. And after coming home from the hospital, um, that evening, he passed away in his father's arms. And, um, and so in this tragedy, out of all of our neighbors, Stephen's parents uh, came to us, Laura and I. Broken in and confused and in pain, they showed up at our door to tell us the news. And so we invited them in. And we stood around that kitchen island. And over the next week or so, we got to sit and cry and mourn together. And in that seat, we let them into our homes, but they let us into their hearts. And and through that interaction, I was asked to speak at his funeral, where I got to share God's hospitality uh, with, with them, and then his invitation to everybody there. And so... Uh, since then, our, our interactions with Frank and Gladys are markedly different than they once were. So though are not always long, they are always deep. We experience something heavy together. Our lives are forever connected. And so we were once strangers, once neighbors and friends, but are now a family. And so this point right here is something I think highlighted wonderfully in a book Um, I'll recommend, it's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And this book gives a great definition of hospitality. The author writes that biblical hospitality is turning stranger into neighbor, and neighbor into family. And I think this is exactly what the Bible presents to us as the mission and picture of hospitality. It's the gospel and it's all over scripture. And once we notice it, it becomes embarrassingly obvious how fundamental hospitality is to the nature of God and to what it means to be in his family, to our identities as citizens of his kingdom. So again, listen, biblical hospitality always happens with strangers and it leads to family. It turns stranger into neighbor and neighbor into family. And so we in the church are invited to practice hospitality amongst one another. We should be known by our love for one another, but true hospitality happens when we extend that invitation to strangers, to enter into this family. And I know for a lot of us, that's probably a lot, especially if we're um, introverts. Like the idea of inviting strangers into our homes may seem daunting. Just talking to new people may seem like your nightmare. And I don't want to diminish those fears, but here's the last thing about hospitality that I'll share, you with, this, um, share with you this morning. It's that hospitality... Um, has a cost but it leads to blessing and so this is the final aspect of hospitality that's found right here in Luke chapter 14 uh, beginning in verse 25 it says this now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister yes even his own life he cannot be my disciple will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who do not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So biblical hospitality always has a cost, and I think it's intentional that This picture comes right after parable after parable and story of Jesus being hospitable. That's when this verse comes in. I'm sure we've all heard before this, count the cost of discipleship. But it's at the end of a chapter, consumed with the concept of hospitality and pictures of what that means. It's after that picture that he says, now count the cost before you choose to follow me. Biblical hospitality always comes with a cost, Jesus warns us. And he tells us that before we take his invitation to follow him, we must consider if we're willing to accept all that it will require. And for those who truly know Christ, we understand that salvation is free, but discipleship is costly. Like the road that Jesus paved was bloody. And so uh, hospitality always has a cost because hospitality by its very nature is the act of giving to those who cannot Repay, it's the act of making what's yours someone else's. It's sacrificing your time or your home or your finances, your comfort with the explicit effort to love a stranger, turning them into neighbor and eventually family. Hospitality costs Jesus his life. And Luke chapter 14 points out that he expects nothing less from us. And so salvation is free because Jesus paid for it with his life. But in his resurrection, he shows us that it leads to a life that's greater than the one we lay down. Biblical hospitality is costly, but the good news is that it leads to blessing. And Jesus affirms that in passages like Mark chapter 10, verse 29 through 30. And um, if you look there later... Um, you'll find that Jesus promises us that if we're willing to lose to follow, he'll give back a hundredfold whatever we lost in, in a way that will last forever. So Jesus knows that to receive new life requires us to let go of the one we once held dear. But the good news of this biblical hospitality is that it offers a new home, And it invites you to Jesus' table and it turns you who were once a stranger into an adopted member of God's family where Jesus calls us brother and friend and turns God into father and and this is the ultimate blessing with immeasurable value to be treasured but also to share. And although biblical hospitality means being willing to lay down uh, your life, it's also a blessing to see that we live in a time and a place where the sacrifices won't mean a physical cross and i just want us to reflect on that for a moment and consider the gift and to recognize how lucky we are in this room to be in a place where the sacrifices we make are so different than they are for many of our brothers and sisters around the world Like, we have so much safety here. And and so hospitality may cost us some things, but that cost can be so small and so simple. And when we shift our focus beyond uh, our inconveniences or our discomfort towards the blessings that can result in our lives and the lives of others, we should be excited and thrilled and honored to give of ourselves this way because the rewards are 100-fold whatever's lost. And so here, in this room, we get to practice hospitality with one another as we see a need, we can stop and help. But we're called to extend that beyond these walls and doors and these people. And so there's simple ways that we can do that. Like, learn the name of the teller at your bank. Learn the name of the cashier at the grocery store who bags your groceries every week. Invite your physical neighbors to dinner. If you don't know their names yet, learn them too. That's like a foundational standard for us as followers of Christ. We should know the names of our neighbors. And listen, it's going to be awkward sometimes, Uh, it may not always go as planned. It's vulnerable, it's hard, it will cost you something to be hospitable to the strangers around you. But it's who God is, and it's what it means to be His and to look like Him. This hospitality will have costs, but when we count them, we should see how worth it they are. And how the promise is that in the life to come, it will lead to blessing. And so Luke 14, I find it to be this great picture of all three of these aspects of true hospitality. But before we conclude, I want to point us to the place where we see all three aspects of hospitality <coughs> displayed in Jesus. And we have, where we have the opportunity to partake every time that we meet together as his people. And so first, biblical hospitality it happens in homes and leads to a table. And Jesus shows that every time we partake in the sacraments. In this, Jesus teaches his disciples that through his broken body and his shed blood, he reconciled our debts to the Father and opens this door for us to enter into his presence without fear or shame. If we'd repent and accept Jesus for who he is and what he's done for us, Jesus welcomes us into his home, into his kingdom, and to feast at his table. And second, biblical hospitality happens with strangers and leads to family. So Jesus' invitation is more than to enter his home or to eat at his table, but it's an invitation to enter his family, turning stranger into neighbor, neighbor into family. And like we touched on this morning from Genesis on, this has always been God's promise and purpose to make one nation, one family out of a multitude, strangers Into family to make a home where we would be where he would be our God and we would be his people in the land of promise, this new home with him forever. But for this family and home to happen, it had a cost. So that's third biblical hospitality has a cost, but it leads to blessing. See, in order for Jesus to reclaim the kingdom that he lost to our sin, it cost him his life. And at his table, we're reminded of that as we partake in this broken body and shed blood. But in this mournful celebration, we're not just partaking in his death, but in his resurrection. And so we're reminded of the cost, but also uh, of the new life and the freedom and the gifts and the blessing that are free for us to take because he paid the cost. Salvation is free. Because Jesus paid for it. Discipleship is costly because it requires us to follow in his footsteps, giving of ourselves to make the way and point the way for others. And so as uh, my time here um, starts to come to its end, I want to shift our focus just for a moment from Jesus' life to our own, to circle back to that question um, that I asked in the beginning man how are we as disciples of jesus according to his model and teaching like how hospitable are we when was the last time we opened our home and invited someone to our table when was the last time we interacted with a stranger and loved them as a neighbor or adopted them into our family listen it's it's not hospitality if it doesn't have a cost it's never free to give Always to receive. In biblical hospitality—it's not an option for us. It's actually fundamental to what it means to follow Christ. And we see in chapters like Luke 15, uh, Luke 14 that hospitality, as modeled by our Lord, finds those who are outside and brings them in. But in that invitation comes healing, and rest, and good news. And it's what God's shown to us, and it's also what he's made our mission to others. And so let's pray, um, and then we'll um, spend some time asking this question. But let's enter um, into this uh, time with the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for willing to show us hospitality. you loved us uh, so much even when we weren't just strangers but enemies to lay down your life for us scripture tells us that there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend and somehow you went beyond that Lord thank you for making all of us in this room family this morning Uh, whether I um, am a stranger to some of us here or not I know with confidence that we're family because of the work uh, that you've done for us. Holy Spirit, move in us this morning as we spend time of reflection on this question. Um, Encourage us where we see hospitality alive in our lives and stir in us and awaken in us uh, a desire to live this out um, in those places where we have not Uh, Forgive us, Lord. We know that you will. Um, And just guide us um, to places and people um, who are now strangers. Um, uh, Allow us to give them this invitation that you've given us and work in their lives also to bring them into your family. We ask these things in your name. Amen. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.